All right, welcome to this episode of Robotech Fan. I'm your host, Doug Mendo, and today is the first episode of Robotech Fan for 2016. So, let me start off by saying this. Uh, I've been away from Robotech Fan for a while, and uh, part of the reason why I've been away from Robotech Fan for a while is the time that I would normally dedicate to doing podcasting for Robotech Fan, I've been using one of the Xenoforce Reborn mod. Uh, me and Ryan have been working, like, diligently in order to get this thing out, um, because after this, we go on to another project where we'll more than likely do a kind of Kickstarter concept, um, so we're trying to hurry this thing up as uh, as soon as possible, but at the same time, in doing so, uh, what we're basically also doing is we are, you know, trying to deliver, essentially, a concept to our fans that really speaks to what we believe the Xenoforce Reborn mod should actually be. Now, for those of you who don't know what, um, you know, Xenoforce Reborn is, all you have to do is just type into Google Xenoforce, meaning Z-E-N-O, okay, as Xeno, and then type in the word force, all right, all one word there, and then second word, Reborn. All right, the first link that comes up is exactly our mod. Boom, there you go. Okay, I'm not going to go any further than that into this because this is a Robotech Man podcast, not a uh, Xenoforce Reborn podcast. So I've been working really heavily on that. Uh, the second thing is this, is that I've been trying to figure out exactly how I want to carry on the uh, the Robotech medium here. And uh, what I mean by that is that, you know, back when I first started Robotech Fan, you know, Robotech Fan was a great thing. Um, and the reason why I, I liked it and I, and I still love it now is because as a Robotech fan, it allowed me to produce my own Robotech, you know, conceptual, uh, product essentially. That's what it did, you know, and not something that when I say product, I don't mean something in the commercial sense. Okay. Not in the commercial sense, but something more or less in the, you know, in the, Hey, I'm part of the fandom and this is what I'm doing besides, sitting around a table with a bunch of people and actually talking about Robotech or, you know, just sitting there and, you know, rewatching reruns of Robotech, you know. Uh, it was something that allowed me to be active in a way that really didn't restrain me in the sense of, like, for example, uh, Robotech.com and, and, you know, how they are with, you know, what you can say and what you can't say. Um, also in terms of other websites and stuff like that, you know, you know, you're not stuck by their restraints and it allowed me to hit a massive, you know, market of people. And, and, and it still does. And one of the reasons why I'm still willing to go forward with Robotech fan is because of that pool of individuals. I mean, like even at my lowest points, I still, still get more traffic than Robotech.com and all the other Robotech websites combined. You know, and, and that speaks a lot for what Robotech fan actually is. You know, it, it does. Now, in the time that I have, you know, essentially been, you know, producing a Robotech fan, you know, you've had other podcasts come online and, um, you know, they've, for the most part, fallen away and stuff like that. And the reason for it is that they find out podcasting really is not that easy to do. I mean, it's not really that easy to get up, you know, in the morning or at night, or whenever you choose to do it, and to effectively produce, you know, a show uh, that's going to be anywhere from an hour to five hours long, you know, and you don't know how long it's going to be until the conversation starts. Uh, but 
things have changed since then. You know, they changed quite a bit. And I'm talking in terms of how people deal with entertainment. You know, to begin with, uh, when I first started Robotech Fan, mobile devices. Okay, let's talk about mobile devices. Android smartphones didn't even exist. BlackBerry was the big thing. Now, who the hell in today's market uses a BlackBerry? That's right, not too many people do. Uh, the iPhone didn't yet exist uh, in any real significant, you know, fashion. Um, you know, even in how you would listen to music on your phone, you know, it was a 2.5 millimeter jack. It wasn't a 3.5 standard, you know, and, and we could go on and on, you know, and Bluetooth was considered a phenomenon when it came to a phone, actually, you know, it, it was, uh, so that's just to give you an idea. Tablets, unless it was a tablet PC and it cost like $4,000 didn't exist either. You know, these kind of things really weren't part of the mainstream culture of being able to gain content. Since then, you've had e-readers. Then you've had, I want to say, um, tablets, iPads, smartphones. You know, computers have dropped down to less than $200. Not to say that they're good computers, but the point is, still, if you wanted to gather content for your entertainment in any way, shape, or form, you can do these things. And Robotech Fan essentially has to adapt with the times, as any good show does. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it is a mistake to have a podcast channel. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, I still want to have a podcast channel. What I'm saying is, is that I have to look at the overall medium. And we as Robotech fans really need to do that. And that's one thing that we failed at is looking at the overall medium and saying, okay, how can we reach our biggest fan base? The fan base that's going to be engaged, the fan base that cares about what is really going on among fans. Or for those who, in my case, really want to learn more about Robotech. You know, what, how and what in which do you go about this? And podcasting for the longest, I think, was just definitely the best way to do it. But as you look at how things work now, um, things just aren't what they once were. Now, podcasting still maintains its momentum in the way that it does. Okay, simply because you've got things such as iTunes. You know, and what do you do with iTunes? You listen to music, right? Right, okay. In the same way that you listen to podcasts on iTunes, okay? So podcasting from that perspective, I would say, actually holds ground. I wouldn't sit up here and say that podcasting is any less than what it was, but I do think that there is still a, a difference in the way that people look at medium now than what they did, um, back when I began Robotech fan. And here's going to be an example, Robotech.com. Okay. So let us, let us look at the journey of Robotech.com, shall we? So at one point in time, you know, you had Robotech forums and I remember them back in the nineties, uh, late night or mid to late nineties, you had these Robotech forums and they were beautiful. Um, they were beautiful. They were made by fans by today's standards of websites. They were very rough around the edges, but I will tell you what they were, they were organic sites and these organic sites were excellent for Robotech fans to be able to go on there and see what other Robotech fans were all about. And the thing about what I loved about the mid to late nineties when it came to Robotech and, and these fans and the sites was you had this passion, you know, you had this passion where these fans 
were creating these elements to Robotech that even if they were not quote-unquote official, they were fun to play with. They were something that you could read about. They were something you could use within RPG games. They were something that you could take and make tangible for your own entertainment. Then, of course, what happened was, you know, certain fans had to have their way, you know, and it was their way or no way. And uh, you had the Flame Wars, um, which heavily denigrated, uh, to say the least, your Robotech fan sites. You know, I would probably make the argument the worst thing that ever happened to Robotech in terms of its fandom was Robotech.com. I would make that argument. I would easily make that argument. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Robotech.com is a beautiful site. I think it is. I think Robotech.com is a very nice made site. Nicely made, I should say. Um, it was great when it came out. I think that up until its, its recent phase, uh, that they, cause they had kept the same site for, you know, God knows how many years. It was a really great thing. But what happened was you had a regulation. And the moment regulation stepped into the room and said, look, this is how we're going to be as fans. This is how you got to talk. This is how you got to, you know, uh, act in terms of your, your, your decor within, I want to say the fandom or you're out of here. Everything just fell to shit. You saw within a matter of years, a systematical breakdown of the Robotech fandom in terms of its of its, uh, of its fans and their offering of the Robotech fandom. There was a systematic breakdown. And this systematic breakdown is not something that is easily fixed. Like, quite frankly, you cannot easily fix the banning of Robotech fans and allowing their visions, their talents, and all of the above to go with them. Because you only have so many fans to choose from. You know, you, you do. To create these things. And Robotech.com really wasn't good at trying to hone the skills of Robotech fans. They weren't really good at trying to basically allow Robotech fans to express, you know, their, uh, their wants, needs, and desires in the way that they believed Robotech medium ought to be. They just weren't good at it. You know, I mean, basically it was all about here, let's create forums for Robotech fans to talk in. And, and they did that. And when Robotech fans would express the way they felt about things, you know, if you were a non Matt Cross purist, or if you were a non original, uh, non original material purist, then you more than likely in some conversation somewhere online got the boot. You did. You know, that's just how it worked. Now, I'm not going to lie about the situation. I will definitely say that there were some pretty harsh things that were said. But understand, a lot of these things were said among adults. Okay? They were. Um, or they should have been. Um, and in some cases, you know what? If they weren't said among adults, then parents need to watch what the hell their kids are doing online so that they don't get themselves into conversations, you know, that go past their bedtime. But to my point of that, you know, and, and, and how I feel about that, um, as just a, a thing of reference here, Robotech.com's filtering system 
just literally eroded away the Robotech fandom. Now, there were certain Robotech fan sites that tried to allow for that, how shall I say, that authenticity of the Robotech fan. And um, what happened to those sites is they slowly died out. Like, one by one by one by one by one, you slowly had this dying out. And granted, you have a couple sites that are still left, but realistically... They are nothing more than a shadow of Robotech.com when it comes right down to it. You know, and in the differences between them and Robotech.com may, and I say maybe something like a, hey, guess what? We'll allow you to sit up here and say the word fuck on our website versus Robotech.com will ban you if you use the word fuck. You know, and I'll be honest with you, that is not anything I really care about, you know, because the whole point is it's about spirited conversations it's about, you know, the axe hitting the grind. And when that axe hits the grind, when the concepts of conversation really come out, what happens then? You know, where are your moderators at then? Where's the tolerance at then? Or where's the acceptance at then, more importantly? It's not about so much tolerance as it is acceptance. You know, I'm not a believer in tolerating anything. I believe in accepting stuff, though. If you're going to accept something, then you accept it. If, you, if you're going to tolerate it, then you shouldn't have accepted it, or you shouldn't put up with it in the first place, you know. So, what you find is you find that those sites that claim they are this, that, and the other turn out not really to be this, that, and the other. They're just like Robotech.com, but instead of saying, you know, no curse words, you can say, like, five before you get banned. I mean, basically, that's how they all are. And this is one of the reasons to why none of these sites still uh, really have any any heavy traffic when it comes to the the Robotech fandom. I mean, just straight up, I can you can easily tell the level of traffic that's done by a website. Just go look at their forum pages. Look at how the forums are conducted. Look at how many views that they've had within their forums. Then on top of that, look at how many replies that you've had. That tells you everything. You know, about a site and the kind of traffic it's really getting. That's an easy indicator to see how successful a site is versus how it's not. You know. When I compare those sites to my podcast that I have not touched essentially in like over half a year to a year, I laugh my ass off. I literally do. I think it's the funniest thing ever. Because I look at the traffic I get, I look at the traffic they get, and I say, man, I can sit up here and never do another episode, and I'll still get more traffic than all these sites combined. So, this is one of those things where I look at it and I just say, guys, come on here, you know, this is just not working for the Robotech fandom. There's something that needs to change. Now, what happened to Robotech.com is this, is that Robotech.com, like I said, filtered out its fan base. And filtering out its fan base... The, the leftover residues of the fan base went to other websites. And of course, those websites, what do they ultimately do? They filter out their fan base. That's what they do. This is why Robotech.com essentially gets more viewers, per se, than the other sites do. But in the end, that's why you don't have much of a difference between the number of fans on Robotech.com that are active and other sites where the fans are active as well. That's why you don't have that big of a marginal difference. Now, what happened to Robotech.com was because it couldn't deal with its fan base in the way that it needed to, to essentially house them all there, ultimately, 
the fan base was able to regurgitate itself on Facebook or essentially social media, if it were. But Facebook is the main thing that we'll go after. Um, at first it was MySpace, then it went to Facebook. And in going to Facebook, I will say this. Facebook is first off not an accurate representation of the Robotech fandom in terms of its numbers. Okay. So you have to understand that you have just fans to whatever degree they are. So like me, I rarely get on Facebook. Okay. I rarely do. I used to get on Facebook only because certain people were on there and that was the best way to sit up here and talk to them. Now, for the most part, I don't even think it's worth that. Okay. Um, I think that there are just other means in which to do things and use Facebook as more or less as a kind of a poster board or a message board, if you will. Um, in which you're able to say here, I'm going to be doing a show at such and such time, or I just posted this show here. You guys can check it out. I mean, mainly that's what it is. But the other argument would be this. You've also got something like Twitter, same thing. Um, and I could go, you know, Tumblr, so on and so forth. So the reality is when it comes to Robotech is that your social media has basically eclipsed the Robotech.com website and it has eclipsed effectively the other Robotech websites that are merely a shadow of Robotech.com. So the fans are technically more in control of Robotech in terms of its fandom than what they have been in pieces or in previous years when it comes to Robotech.com. However, here's the however, where it comes into play. Robotech.com went down due to the fact that it got hacked and Harmony Gold just doesn't have the need or desire to resuscitate it at this given point in time. They don't. Uh, they would rather have a more maintenance-free based system, which is Facebook, aka social media. And from there, they don't even have to regulate or ban or filter or do whatever they want to do. They can allow Facebook to take care of all that stuff themselves. Now, I find this amazing because on Facebook, you can tell somebody to go fuck off. All right. But on Robotech.com, you can't tell someone to go fuck off. But at the same time, Harmony Gold will ban you on Robotech.com when you tell someone to go fuck off. But they're more than happy at this point to sit up here and say, hey, here, everyone go to Facebook. Do your Robotech.com on Facebook. There you go. And all of a sudden, you know, the rules have changed. And Facebook, you know, is able to, you know, give people more leeway. So, you know, to that point, I would say, you know, that when you talk about the freedom of speech and things like that, which, of course, you have things within certain bounds... Uh, your Robotech fans have basically ditched Robotech.com for any meaningful, you know, substance, and they've gone on to social media as the new norm uh, at this current point in time. Now, what does that mean? I mean, like, what, is, what does it mean for us as Robotech fans? Well, it means a lot of things. Uh, the first thing would be this is that as Robotech fans, the first thing it means is that we effectively do not have 
the cohesion that we once had, you know, and what I mean by that is it's true that when you get onto social media, you're able to make connections and stuff like that. And you're able to, you know, basically reach out and touch whoever you want to touch essentially through an internet perspective. But when you talk about like the projects that are being done, when you talk about the things that traditionally have been outputted at the level they, that they have been outputted on, social media really doesn't lend to that because what social media is about is about that given individual. In other words, the reason to why social media is, is, is as successful as it is, is because everyone gets a piece of the pie to whatever extent they want their pie versus previously to social media what it was about was you had to work hard. You had to put work into something in order to get some recognition. So now what happens with Robotech.com being gone and everything going over to effectively, um, you know, Facebook, you end up in a situation where the fans are able to post whatever they want to post and they have their 15 seconds of fame and then bam, there you go. It's done. It's it. And nothing else comes of it. Previous to Robotech.com, what you had is you had these web pages where fans created things and other fans benefited from it. Or during the time of Robotech.com, you had your podcasting and whatnot. Again, fans effectively benefited from that. Even at the end of Robotech.com's lifespan, you had fans creating Robotech projects, and fans were benefiting from that. Now, in the current climate of Robotech, though, you no longer have that in the way that you once did. And that's partly due to the level of satisfaction that you get from social media. Meaning that if you get 15 minutes, or 15 seconds, rather, of recognition in your life, that can make up for hours of work and of, you know, a project that you would output to the fandom. That would be any real significance, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. It's like you get it in shorter spurts, but you can be just as satisfied. Now, me personally, when it comes to this kind of stuff, I, like I said, I'm not really big into social media. Number one, number two, I have been looking now for about roughly a year plus at the state of the Robotech fandom and been wondering, okay, what can I do in order to take it to the next, the, or, I'm sorry, the next level? My whole thing is about the next level. That's what it's about. It isn't about, you know, continuing on what I know works. It's not about, you know, satisfying the status quo of what I've already established, but it's about going forward. It's about saying, okay, we've been here, but now we need to go here. And there have been a couple of Robotech podcasters um, or bloggers that have made these attempts and pretty much they all crash and burn. They do. They probably get around. I mean, maybe if you're lucky, 14 episodes <laughs> and then they're like, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, and the reason for it is it's, there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, it's an exhausting thing. I mean, it's not easy to do or I wouldn't say it's easy to do. Um, but it is, it, or it can be, I should say, uh, an exhausting thing. So, you know, understanding that, you know, I, 
part of it just comes down to the concept of what you want your core substance to be and then developing a workflow behind it. Usually what happens is this. Your Robotech fan knows what they want the core substance substance to be. In other words, they know what the product they want to produce is. But it comes to the workflow. How do you strategically map out workflow that makes things easy and effortless so that you can output what you want to output? Now, an example of this would be Robotech uh, zero, 00. So those of you who know that later on in my Robotech podcasting you know, setup, I had Robotech zero, 00. And with Robotech zero, 00, I came out with a completely different podcast than the other one that I had. You know, uh, Robotech Zero Zero, I would say, was a bit more dry um, in terms of its tone, but definitely way more informative. Uh, now, Robotech Fan at one point in time was very punchy, had a punch to it, but was highly informative. You know, but what happened over time is that Robotech Fandom became more about, literally, ro- the fandom, and because it just addressed issues that had previously never been addressed in any real depth. You know, and it essentially casted a light on to how the fandom was and how things went about in the fandom in a way that a lot of people never knew. But it also explained why within Robotech, we had seen a lot of the failures that we had seen go on within Harmony Gold, but also beyond even that within the Robotech fandom itself. But Robotech fandom was also able to do one other thing. It was able to essentially catalog the past, the present, and to even some extent, the future of the Robotech fandom. So, from that standpoint, Robotech fandom, or I'm sorry, Robotech fandom, Robotech fan, that's what I wanted to say, Robotech fan, basically, I'm going to say for all practical purposes, was able to serve its purpose. Like, in other words, it did its thing. You know, it created what it needed to create in the way that it needed to create it. You know, and I'd be the first one to sit up here and say that. that That's exactly what Robotech Fan, you know, it, it did. And I don't say that in a past tense as much as I just want to say it has accomplished something. Where most Robotech podcasts, they come on air, they never accomplish anything. There's never a story that can be told about it. it there's never a purpose to the podcast beyond saying, oh, well, I like Robotech, so therefore I talk about Robotech. Robotech fan was different from that respect. And you could definitely see the changes within how Robotech fan evolved into what it ultimately became. You know, and, and once when it hit that, that note, that's when it just, it just took off. Now, Robotech zero zero was a reset. Understanding that Robotech fan had definitely become its own entity and it really couldn't break away from what it was. Um, in any, I would say, meaningful format. Robotech 00 came along to take care of the underlining issues that Robotech fan had that some fans felt needed to be addressed. And I myself, honestly, wanted to go after. You know, so that's where Robotech 00 came from. But in understanding the concept of Robotech 00 being more material-based and stuff like that, what it also did is it set me up for a, a, a different creation process than Robotech Fan did. You know, and, and what I mean by that is that 
whenever I do a podcast episode, it's always unscripted. It's always unscripted. I never write down anything. This is one of the differences between me and most other podcasters. Most podcasters will, for whatever weird reason, write down a whole script and then read their damn script into their mic, record the shit, and then post it up online. Why? Because effectively, they want to have a more professional, okay, I'm going to say a more professional based appearance where on Robotech fan, you know, quite frankly, we've never cared about that. You know, it, 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 again, it's a fan it, and it's about the fandom and you know what fans and fandoms are imperfect. So why not be imperfect right along with them? You know, that's the first thing. The second thing is this though, is that if you think on your feet, which is the main thing, if you think on your feet and if you take a moment and pause before you open up your mouth and say something, You'll be all right. You know, that there is the true, the true test of intelligence right there. If you got to sit up here and map out your entire podcast to sit up here and figure out, you know, this is what I want to say. This is how I want to say it. So on and so forth. And if you can't just from the cuff say, look, this is the issue that I'm talking about. This is how well versed I am in this issue that I can sit up here and talk about it for one to five hours straight and not even not even worry about it, you know, this is the kind of thing that you, that you begin to understand makes the difference between true podcasters and the other guys. Okay. Now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with mapping out or planning a, a script. I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with it. What I am saying is the demise to most of the podcasters that you see are due to the fact that they lack a workflow. If your workflow is strenuous on the concept of storyboards, essentially, or scripts, then you're going to burn out at some point only due to the fact that your imagination can only go so far, unless you have brand new content that is opened up to you. But the other thing is this, is that you come a point, or there comes a point, not you come a point, but there does come a point where your imagination can almost become blasphemy in correlation to the topic that you're talking about. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to dig deeper into the well, you know, or deeper into the ground to find the well. And as you dig deeper and deeper and deeper, you know, if there's no well there, you're going to end up hitting magma. That's what's going to happen. I mean, it's just that simple there. Uh, and, and that's how things go. You know, you end up hitting a spot you weren't, you were, you were, essentially never intending to, you know, aim for, and it ends up having the opposite effect, you know? So, I mean, like if I'm thirsty and I'm, I'm digging for a well and obviously no, no well showing up and I keep on digging and keep on digging and keep on digging, what do you end up hitting? It's called magma and that's the opposite of a well, you know, you can't get any more opposite than that. So the, the overall problem that you ultimately end up with in, in, you know, in these kind of scenarios is you have people who are dedicated to something, but their workflow is too dependent on a certain key aspect. And that key aspect in, in many cases is just scripting or it's, it's a storyboard. And without it, they can't go forward. They can't make it work. It becomes too emotionally exhausting. And then they throw in the towel. Well, 
for me, that's never been the case. Uh, every episode that I have ever done, not one of them has ever been scripted. I may have read things due to the fact that I'm reading something off a site or due to the fact that, you know, I might be reading something that was sent to me as a piece of material, a fact, okay, or of relevance to the topic that we have going on. But other than that, there is no, there is no in any way, shape or form, um, me personally, you know, staging an artificial narrative that does not come straight from my brain at that point in time. It just doesn't, it doesn't work like that with me. So when I started Robotech zero zero, uh, what had happened was very simple. Uh, I got into a situation where I had to gather materials, you know, and what I had to do is I had to develop an alternate workflow. Now this workflow was really cool because I had to go back into the Robotech, you know, my Robotech archive, start pulling videos, start rewatching things, start cutting and pasting, start doing all this shit, you know. Um and and I dealt with a lot of visuals. You know, I dealt with a, just a hell of a lot of visuals. Um and you know, and I really had to break down, I really had to, you know, essentially uh splice and uh, you know, uh in some cases even um you know, look at uh the concept of how time was manipulated, uh, the trajectory of, of, of the topic, uh, or concept at hand that was being thrown out there and where it was going and, uh, so on and so forth, you know, but even then I never scripted anything. I never scripted anything. I gathered the materials, I assessed the materials, and then I sat down and actually gave my spiel. That's what I did with Robotech zero zero. And that's one of the reasons why it's so off, like so authentic, I can't say it here. I want to say authentic or I can't, man, I hate when I get run into these things. Authentic. There we go. That's one of the reasons why it's, why I'm saying authentic. It's so authentic. There we go. Sorry about that. It's so authentic in the way that I actually go about and do it, you know, but one of the reasons to why I'm able to, to talk about it in the way that I'm able to talk about it in almost a flawless manner is because it is fresh in my mind, you know? Um, so I might do one more review of what I looked at and said, okay, fine here, boom, let's go in here and, and, and do what we're going to do now, you know? Um, but it was an alternate form of workflow. It's very different from Robotech, uh, fan Robotech fan. I never gave it any thought. I just sat down and did it. <laughs> Robotech zero zero. I actually had to go back, look at something to make sure that my concepts and perceptions were exactly what the show, uh, you know, portrayed, uh, to whatever degree that I, I was looking for. And then, you know, I could go on and say, okay, look, this is what it is, you know? Um, and in some cases for some topics, I realistically never even had a clue up until I generated the topic up in my mind to saying, you know what, this would be a really cool idea to actually talk about. So let's see what the story says. Boom. So two different workflows, gave me two different answers to how, you know, things could go about in doing a, uh, a podcast. But furthermore, what Robotech Zero Zero did for me is it opened me up to the idea of effectively actually creating brand new medium types, you know, a brand new media type. And uh, when I'm talking about that, what I mean is the concept of doing like, you know, podcasting, for example, uh, but instead of doing podcasting, uh, we take the podcast and we convert it over to, you know, a, uh, a vid for YouTube or, you know, w which I already tried that and it turned out to be pretty successful. I had like 24,000 views before I took it down. 
Um, simply because that was just a, effectively it was a, um, how shall I say, a, uh, a test. You know, I don't, I don't like to keep things up there that aren't meant to be up there. So yeah, it was like a test and, and the test worked and I was like, great, awesome. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll stay with it. But, um, as far as being able to create different, uh, medium types, you know, of course, like I said, you've got, you know, uh, podcasting, uh, you have, you know, uh, vidcasts, you have YouTube in the sense of just posting, uh, you know, uh, short episodes, um, so on and so forth. I mean, there are a lot of things that you can do, you know, there are a lot of things you can do. And, um, I've done YouTubing, um, I'll just call it YouTubing in, uh, various different, uh, shapes and forms. And, and I've been very successful in quite a few of the things that I've done. So I now know what works versus what doesn't work and, you know, what's great and what's not so great. Um, and my point to what I would say is this, is that where I'm at at this point in the game is I'm looking at what really does make sense for the Robotech fandom. You know, now I do want to sit up here and point out that I want to effectively try to do one audio a week for Robotech fan. Like I'm at a point now where I definitely have a grasp on where I want to take my next project for Robotech. Number one, number two, what I want to get out of it. And number three, uh, how I plan to go about doing that. You know, uh, I've got the workflow down, which the workflow for me was always the, the biggest challenge. It was, you know, how do you skillfully, uh, go about creating a, project where effectively you're going to be a one man team and make it, you know, non time consuming and still make something great at that given point in time. And, uh, you know, effectively I, I figured all that out. And, um, because I figured that stuff out, you know, this turns out to be something that's, that's, uh, that's pretty great. Also, you know, um, things have changed in my life where I, to a degree have more time now to do these kind of things. And I, and I'm happy about that, but you know, stepping beyond that, really what it is is this, is that Robotech just seems like it's a, it's a thing that's dying. And it's dying not because there's people who just have no interest in Robotech, but it's dying because so many people have failed the fandom that the fandom really doesn't have much left in it to go forward. Now, I'm not saying that that is the Robotech fans' fault any more than I'm going to say it's Harmony Gold's fault. I think that if you have been active in the Robotech fandom in any way, shape, or form, whether you've been a listener, or if you went to the conventions, or if you have, you know, been on the websites, whatever the case is, okay, then you have to understand the state of Robotech. You have to understand that something's not right about the fandom. You have to understand there's something not right about just the franchise itself. And the question then becomes, well, what are you going to do to fix it? Now, this is where I think we have the biggest problem. It's all about in the fixing stage. You know, it's all about, um, you know, whoa, didn't know to do that. It's all about effectively the idea that when you see a problem, you fix the problem yourself. You don't wait for someone else to come and fix it. 
And I think one of the bigger problems is, is that we keep waiting for Harmony Gold to do something or, you know, we keep waiting for that guy down the street to sit up here and, or not necessarily the street, but the next country over to, in my case, it's like the next country over to come out with something that's going to, you know, carry on that, you know, that need, um, to want to engage in Robotech. You know, you're always looking to somebody else. And even in listening to this podcast, the people who will listen to this podcast, the majority of you people are going to be people that are going to be looking to somebody else to actually, quote unquote, fix your Robotech needs, wants, and desires beyond the 85 episodes. And for myself personally, I'm totally content with the 85 episodes. I, I really am. Uh, I have kind of made peace with the idea that it is not worth it to, you know, essentially waste my time trying to wait for Harmony Gold to come out with something that they're probably going to screw up on. You know, they're probably going to do it. They're probably going to mess it up, and that's just the reality of it. You know, and what I mean by that is that Harmony Gold at this point is looking at the bottom dollar. That's what they're looking at. They're, they're treating Robotech as if it's a chess game and all they're doing is looking at, you know, the monopoly money in it. And if there's money in terms of the venture that they're going to go out and do, then they'll do it. If there's no money, they don't want to waste their time with it. That's what it is. Now, I understand totally and I agree with the idea of, you know, they are a for-profit organization. Don't get me wrong. I, I totally get that. You know, I'm down with the cause there. I, 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 Trust me, I've, I've bought enough crap from Harmony Gold, uh, that, um, in, you know, in being a younger child to being an adult, where I totally understand how, you know, things go about when it comes to, you know, marketing product, you know, cash flows and stuff like that. I get those things. But the fact is, when it comes to Harmony Gold, Harmony Gold does not want to invest in anything that they can't get a profit from. And that is the mistake. Harmony Gold is not understanding that in today's climate, in today's climate, companies have to give in order to receive. And this is something Harmony Gold doesn't understand. They do not understand this. And this is something that is really hurting the Robotech fandom right now. My point would be this, okay? If you want to say, well, well where's your example of this where companies give in order to receive? concept. All you got to do, look at your smartphone and tablets, look at video games, look at how the video game industry has changed. It used to be that you went to a retail store, you spent $50 on a game, maybe $60 on a game, hell, maybe even up to 150. It was like, if it was like a uh, collector's edition or something like that. And you went home, you played your game and that was it. That that's basically what happened. You know, now you know, what happens is this. Your video game that you want to play is bundled into your console system. So you don't buy the console until it comes out with the game included, in many cases. So you effectively get the game for free. Then what you do is you get online and you download digital content that you pay for. That's what happens. Or what happens is, let's say that you pay $60 for the game. 
Okay, like I talked about before. So let's say you already got your console and you're paying $60 for the game. All right. Then what happens is you go into the store and you get a quote unquote seasons pass or you get, you know, you purchase a card that not only gives you like a year's worth of online play, but you also get for the game that you like, you know, you end up getting extras that you normally wouldn't get. You know, and that's just in the console realm of things. And that's how certain games are done now. And I'm talking bigger titles when I talk about this. But moving beyond even how consoles are done, if you talk about your mobile market in terms of your phones and your and your tablets and how those things work, this is how it plays out. You purchase the game for free, meaning that you don't purchase it at all. You just install it onto your machine. You play the game. When you hit a certain roadblock, you are then given an option. You can either work for the next 10 days trying to get past this obstacle, which you can do, or you can purchase whatever is needed to be purchased in order to pass this thing in like five minutes. You know, five to 10 minutes. So it's like, take 10 minutes to sit up here and fix your issue, Max or take 10 days. You make your choice. It's called an in-app purchase, essentially. It's no different than if we were talking software. So, you know, in your mobile market, you download a photo editing program, okay? And it gives you capabilities of X, Y, and Z. And you really like it. But you notice that there is an in-app purchase where if you now, you know, pay for these extra features, you gain all this other stuff. And what happens is you now have a completed program. What allowed you to make the in-app purchase was the fact that you tried out the program with its limited features, found it was a great tool, and thought, geez, why not sit up here and spend the extra five bucks to complete this thing? Because I love the program so much. This is how your, your markets now work. Your consumer market works heavily off of this kind of concept. You know, companies give to reel you in. And then after you've committed to what this concept is that they're throwing out there, you then hand over your cash to get the whole experience. That's what you do. And this is something that Harmony Gold has not been able to understand yet. And this is one of the reasons why Robotech keeps falling on its face. Is that as old as Robotech is, with the kind of fans that it has and stuff like that, if you want to bring new fans along, you've got to think outside the box in terms of what you're actually producing for the fans. And maybe a TV show is not the best way to do it. Maybe an OVA is not the best way to do it. Maybe a movie is not the way to go about things. Maybe Robotech needs to be revisited on a more fundamental level that makes sense. Now, here on Robotech Fan, we have talked about how Harmony Gold could, in many, many ways, revitalize the Robotech community. We've talked about this. We've talked about how they could grow their fan base. We've talked about how they could keep their fans that they currently have interested, and they could still be profitable. But even since that time that we've talked about it, Things have just changed so drastically that you can't even work with those models 
in their original form, you would have to modify them to today's market. Which is, corporations give, then they receive. That's how it works. That's just, that's how things play out. And if you don't understand that, then you're not going to, you know, effectively be successful in terms of a campaign in which you are able to, you know, push your intellectual properties forward and really be the benefactor on the other end. This is one of the reasons why Harmony Gold keeps stumbling and stumbling and stumbling and stumbling. You know, I, um, I looked at what happened the last time with Harmony Gold, uh, in terms of Robotech Academy. And I thought to myself, my God, how could these guys have just blown this so badly? I thought about that, you know. And of course, you know, I remember when Robotech Academy was coming out, you know, Harmony Gold was doing their Kickstarter and all that. And I said, look, I wouldn't sit up here and put the money there. I would not give these guys, you know, a, you know, half a million dollars or whatever they were wanting for just a piloted episode. Like, that's just a load of shit, you know. And, um, you know, I, I think back on it more now and I think that was the smartest thing ever. You know, because their business model is not an effective business model. Their whole thing is you give us money first and then we'll make something for you second. It just doesn't make sense. Because you have company after company after company after company after company now realizing that, listen, you got to throw something out there to get people to want to invest in your, in your intellectual properties. And then from there, you start reaping the benefits, but you start reaping real benefits, which is the thing. So, you know, I'll use Adobe here as, as the example. Adobe just made their Lightroom free for Android and Mac OS, um, or iOS, I should say, uh, platforms. In other words, if you have an iPhone, if you have a smartphone, Android smartphone, if you have an iPad, or if you have a uh, Android tablet, you are able to use Adobe Lightroom for free doesn't cost you anything. Now, if you're one of these people who still wants to use it with a PC, which I guess you can go ahead and do, keep in mind you can do that, but it's going to cost you $150 to do so. Now, why is this important? Why does this make a difference? Well, here's why it makes a difference. Adobe is realizing as a company that when it comes to desktop publishing... When it comes to video editing, when it comes to photo editing, the market that was once there no longer translates over to the gross incomes that once existed. In other words, you're not going to make the same money that you used to by charging $150 for a program or by charging $2,000 for a collective suit. You're not going to make that money. People can get programs in other ways. You can either pirate it if you want to, or you can find alternatives that are cheaper that are actually better, because Adobe's programs pretty much suck, uh, large in part. But more importantly than that, the market is constantly changing. So what you have to do is you have to figure out a revenue stream 
that plays into that constant changing of the market. That's what you have to do. And there have been a ton of companies that have figured this out. So like Microsoft, for example, okay? And it's kind of funny we're up here talking about computer stuff here when, when we should be talking about Robotech stuff. But you'll see how this actually works here in a moment. Microsoft. Microsoft has given consumers two options for Microsoft Office. Okay? Option number one. If you want it on your PC, you can pay for it for a year, and you get the entire Microsoft, you know, collection, plus you get one terabyte storage on the Microsoft server in terms of their cloud storage for about 70 bucks a year. That's what it is, $70 a year. Option number two is you can just have Microsoft Office, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and I think OneNote's the other one, and you can get, you know, that for 150 bucks. Now, me personally, I'd go with the $150 option, simply because I don't care about one terabyte of cloud storage, <coughs> and I don't care about Access Publisher and all that other junk. But, but, Microsoft is not stupid. The options that they're giving you are really good options, and here's the reason why. Because for people who start off with that Microsoft Office for a year that are too cheap to spend the extra, you know, on it to get the lifetime subscription, what's going to happen to them? They're going to start using that cloud storage, right? Right. Then what happens? Well, come time the following year, you know, same time the following year, you've got to renew. And if you've put so much content on the cloud, you're not going to be able to sit up here and just get rid of that content. It's not going to work that way. But in reality, Microsoft isn't overcharging for anything in terms of what they're doing. You look at Netflix. Netflix, what do they do? It's like, what is it, like $8 a month or something? We'll do the math. 8 times 12, that's a bit more than $70 a year last time I checked. You know, um, you take Hulu. You know, what is it, like $7 a month? Again, 7 times 12, more than $70 a year. And this is my whole point. It's a, you know, things are done in today's market in terms of subscription services that provide you with that little extra that makes the service worth what it is. And then what you end up having is you end up having in-app purchases where you're given a product, you try it out, and if it's good, you're going to pay into it. If it's not, then you're going to ditch it. The burden is on the corporation to make something that is worth making the purchase for the extra features. But there's another way to do things as well that we haven't talked about. And that is, you know, essentially sponsors. So another big thing that you got going on is what are called sponsors. Basically you, you have a product, uh, an intellectual property, you give it to the consumer and with that product that you give them, you have sponsors that bundle their product with your product. Meaning that, you know, essentially it is quote unquote advertisement. All right. It's a form of advertisement. Now, why is this important? 
Well, again, this is important because what it does is it alleviates the burdens of distribution. <coughs> Number one. Number two, what it does is it allows you to hit a wider audience of people. So you've got sponsors, which I think is like, you know, just pretty much as old as syndication is, you know, uh, or, you know, radio talk is, I mean, that's, that's nothing new, um, from the standpoint of commercials and stuff like that. Um, but in this sense, we're talking in a more subtle way, you know, where you don't necessarily have breaks in the program and stuff like that in order to quote unquote promote their stuff. But what you have is either going into what you're going into or exiting, you know, what you're going into. You then have an option to opt for their, for their product, you know, and in whatever way they, you know, uh, describe it to you. Or it's in the way that, you know, the product is delivered to you. You have to take this for whatever period of time in order to get that under the conditions that you're going to get that. So whether it be done for free or at a discounted price or whatever the case may be, it, it, it'd kind of be like, you know, hey, you know what? Um, you got this Robotech model for 30% off. But bundled with this Robotech model is a Voltron comic. You see where I'm going with this now? You see how this works. My point to what I'm saying, the point to where I'm going with this, which is a very simple point, is that Harmony Gold has really missed opportunities in terms of how to create real revenue streams that make a lot of sense. You know, and, and keep in mind here, we're not talking about, oh, you should do, you know, an e-reader, which we already talked about that a while ago, and Harmony Gold's now just starting to get on that. We're not saying they need to create a video game. We're not saying that they need to create a new animated series. We're not saying they need to create a live action movie. What we're talking about at this point is simply just the whole methodology in which Harmony Gold thinks as a company. And in the way that they think as a company is they think that you need to give money to them and then they're going to do something for you. That's where they're at right now. You know, old daddy Frank is at a point where he's just like, listen, I'm not going to do anything until somebody gives me some cash. You know, and, and you can see the level of disservice that he gets from Tommy Yoon and the rest of them when no one can go to him and say, listen, we need to come up with a different business model that will work for the Robotech fan base. You know, just in the way that anime is done now, Robotech is never going to have the same revenue streams that it once had within the same bracket that it once was. It's, it's just not going to happen until the market makes that kind of swing again, which it's not going to for a long, long time because there's no need to actually do it. But I would go further than that in saying that the problem that Harmony Gold has is that they haven't produced any real product to even test these concepts. So, like, if we went for digital downloads, okay, 
So let's say Harmony Gold says, you know what? We want to do a Kickstarter. Okay. We're going to do a Kickstarter. We need to have 500,000 to kickstart this. We are going to create a brand new Robotech series. It is going to follow X, Y, and Z. And we are going to offer the first episode or the first three episodes or the first seven episodes for free for download online. But we are going to charge $2 each continuing episode. Or we're going to charge $7 each continuing episode. However Harmony Gold wants to do it. Okay? If they would have done something like that for the Kickstarter, they would have made way more headway. They would have made way more headway. Scrap the DVDs, do digital downloads, have the revenue streams come directly to you, make a couple episodes free, Maybe you have the fans supported by Kickstarter, but there you go. You know, but I would even go further than that. And I would say Harmony Gold honestly should have created a piloted episode for what they wanted their new Robotech to be. Then what they should have done was done their Kickstarter and then said, listen, we're going to start now producing these episodes through the Kickstarter, and we're going to have, you know, quote-unquote digital download streams that people can have, or, you know, uh, or, well, actually, digital downloads or streaming that people can do. That's what should have happened. And that, honestly, would have fixed a lot of problems that Harmony Gold had this last time around. But it's an ineffective business model. That's what the problem is here. The fact is, is that you're looking at a company that is highly, grossly incompetent when it comes to an active business model that actually works in today's climate. And due to that, there's nothing you can do with them. There isn't. I mean, the idea that they're going to ask you for $500,000 as a fandom, you're going to shell that out, and they don't got shit to show for it, except for a dream of what they think they can make out of Robotech. That's a load of shit. Just simply put, it's a load of shit. And that's why it went nowhere. And even if you have, you know, Greg, uh, you know, I think his name is Snagoff, Greg Snagoff, or Tony Oliver, or, you know, it doesn't make a difference who the hell you want to put up there. Okay, short of Carl Masick, who isn't alive anymore, it's not, it's just not going to happen. It won't. It won't. Harmony Gold just doesn't have the credibility. And the real voice is, that could have possibly, could have possibly made it work for them. The real voices that could have done it, voice actors, didn't. You know, so like, I forget the guy's name now, but the guy who did uh, Ralph Emerson, you know, if he were to step into the fray and say, hey, look, Harmony Gold needs, you know, half a million dollars. 
because, and then, you know, he goes on to tell why. And this is how Harmony Gold's going to do it. If, if that guy would have done it, you know, and if he'd had Richard Epcar there with him and, you know, and, and if they would have had, uh, the duty to global's voice there with him, you know, these are some, you know, have, you gotta have Robert Goodson there too. You gotta have her there. She's got like one of the best voices in anime, you know, and Wendy Lee, you gotta have Wendy Lee there too. Good old Vanessa's voice. Gotta have her too. But, um, I think she did Vanessa. Anyways, if they would have had like that cast there, just those members and say, here you go, boom, this is why we want $500,000 and this is what, what you're getting out of it. I would have totally been like, you know what? Maybe this would have been a good idea. Maybe this would have been a good idea to, to shell out the 5,000, but they, they didn't have that. You know, they had the same old guys that they've normally had. They've had the same old guys who've been, you know, who have essentially worked for the other Robotech projects and yeah, I, I know that they're good actors. Don't get me wrong. I love them, you know, in terms of the characters that they are. But the truth be told, the stories that have been put behind these, these voice actors have not given them any great credibility for the Robotech fandom to say, here, let's, let's shell out some more money. You know, they've just been, they've been involved in bad projects that again are not their fault, but at the same time, Someone somewhere should have said, listen, Harmony Gold, if you want to sit up here and do it like this, this here would make way more sense to go about it than doing it this way. Whether you're talking Shadow Chronicles, whether you're talking about, um, you know, Love Live Alive, doesn't make a difference. It's just like, the, in the way that Harmony Gold went about doing what they did, in the way that the actual intellectual properties finally reared their head to be what they were, it's just like, no, this isn't, this isn't what the Robotech fandom wants. You know, and, and I remember, especially Shadow Chronicles. I remember how Robotech fans just said, oh, this is so awesome. This is so awesome. This is so awesome. And they beat that awesomeness with a drum while I said, this shit sucks. And in the end, when it was all said and done, when it was all said and done, and Robotech.com started doing its purging on people who didn't like the Shadow Chronicles, yeah, the opinions changed pretty damn quickly in the end. You know... It's one of those things where you can't even defend what you're even, what you're even going after in this case. And there are people who did try to effectively defend, you know, Robotech Shadow Chronicles for what it was at the time and even going forward. They tried to do that, and then, and it didn't work. No, it, it didn't work. Now, look, I am not against the furthering of Robotech in terms of you know content and stuff like that. But what I am against is just more bad Robotech. I'd rather see nothing than something that's bad. You know, and, and that's just how I feel, and I and I sincerely feel that way. I believe that Robotech fan you know, at the time that it was produced in terms as a podcast really did point out, look, and it made the argument too, that we are better off with nothing than with some shitty stuff. Because every single time something came out, we called it for what it was and said, nope, it's crappy here. It's crappy. And it turned out to be exactly that, you know, and in the end, 
you know, Harmony Gold has not expanded its Robotech fandom to any meaningful extent. It, it, it hasn't, you know, now Tommy Ewan will sit up here and talk about, you know, sales and they'll talk about metrics and all this other shit. But the reality is if your shit was so great, as you would like to claim, then they would have created brand new, you know, animations a long time ago. They would have done that and they haven't done that, you know, now, I, I'm not, I will sit up here and concede to the fact that Harmony Gold did get itself in some trouble with the Warner Brothers, you know, and it is trying to rectify those things now with Sony in the way the, uh, of the live action movie, you know, and of course there are quote unquote business deals that are behind doors where Harmony Gold may have been put on some restrictions for what they could do versus what they couldn't do, so on and so forth. And I also believe that Robotech Academy was not so much something that was ever going to truly be produced, but it was more or less Harmony Gold trying to showcase a concept to the quote-unquote bigger companies, um, such as Sony, uh, a.k.a. Warner Brothers, a.k.a. you know Paramount, and, and all of the above, to sit up here and say, okay, you know what, you guys love Transformers, well, Robotech, we're still relevant here, and let's just drop some relevancy on you. Bam, there you go. You know... Um, to, to all those kind of things, you know, I, I do think that Harmony Gold has a reason for making some of the moves that they've made. I'm not going to say that they haven't, but the truth is Harmony Gold is at a point now where it really does need to think through exactly what its next move is going to be because you can't be social media-ing, you know, social media-ing. I don't even know that's a word, but it is now because I said it. You can't be social mediaing your your fandom out to Facebook. You can't be doing that. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Now, you can if you want to, I guess. But if you do that, you're going to lose all all legitimacy in terms of who and what you are. You know, because, I mean, think about what you're doing. It's kind of like Harmony Gold is essentially, you know, parents in a home. And they're saying, here, you know what? You don't like our rules, so why don't you go live at your best friend's house over here and be raised by them? That's pretty much what they're doing, is that they're they're effectively disowning all the responsibility for the Robotech fandom, which is supposed to be their child, and they're handing it off to Facebook. Now, the argument there would be made that, hey, a lot of fandoms do social media now, so on and so forth, yada, yada, yada. And in fact, you could sit up here and make the argument that your fandoms are now even done on YouTube and stuff like that. You don't even need Facebook for it, so on and so forth. And listen, I'm not saying that those things aren't true. I'm not saying that social networking doesn't have a role in the Robotech fandom. Of course it does, or it can. You know, doesn't necessarily have to, but it can. What I am saying is this, is that from a business model standpoint, Harmony Gold has failed in being able to erect a business model that allows it to move forward with Robotech intellectual properties in a way that gives it a real stream of income and also gives the fans what they want in terms of Robotech intellectual properties. That's what I'm saying. And you're not going to find that shit on social media. You can spend all the time you want on Facebook. I'm telling you right now, that does not amount to the next Robotech project being done. It doesn't. And this is one of the harsh realities about the world that we live in. You know, just because you 
have a Ferrari in The Sims doesn't mean you have a Ferrari out in your driveway in real life. Provided you even have a driveway. Just in real life, just because you have it in The Sims. This is the problem that Robotech fans are now facing. And look, Robotech fans are not the only, they're not the only fan of facing this problem here. But they're the ones we're going to talk about here today. Where you've got to understand that one of the key components to success is knowing how to, or how to grow your fan base, but also knowing how to stay consistent with your established fan base in order to say, here, listen, we need to create something that can take more money out of their pocket and they're going to feel good about it at the end of the day. That's the whole key to Harmony Gold. That's what they ought to be doing. And that's what they're not doing. Now, there could be an argument when it comes to piracy and things like that. And, you know, I don't want to get into all that stuff as of now. I mean, that's, that, that is something, eh, you know, why not even, why not talk about it? Okay. So that is something to actually recognize. All right. Which is Harmony Gold may have looked at, you know, these kind of scenarios and said, ah, you know what? Well, what about piracy, Doug? Why on earth? Would you sit up here and do digital downloads when someone can sit up here and download the movie and then distribute to, distribute it to everyone else for free? Well, let's let's tackle that theory for a moment. Here's why: you do digital downloads, okay? And now I'll I'll break it down for you so you guys can understand. The reason why you do digital downloads is because it's the direct access to the consumer through a mobile device. That's why it is number one. Number two, because the consumer has a real form of currency they're able to work with, which is their iTunes card or their Google Play card. Okay? This is why you do, again, digital downloads. Number three, $2 an episode, maybe $3 an episode. Hell, maybe if you want to go as high as $5 an episode. All right? In the overall scheme of things, that's not that big of a deal. People don't say, man, I'm going to spend $5 on this episode here for, you know, Robotech Saga, whatever, with my iTunes card or my Google Play card. Man, I need to go pirate this shit online. No, that's not what they do. That's, that's, that's not what they do at all. That's not how people think. And this is one of the big things now. Piracy is not relevant in the same way, shape, or form that it was three to four years, or no, actually, yeah, I'd say about two, yeah, we'll go with about two to five years ago. It, it's not the same thing. The reason why it's not the same thing is that you have direct stream, direct access. It's not like I got to go to the, to my, you know, retail store. I have to drop $60 on a DVD. <clears throat> and remember, DVDs at one point in time cost like $60. All right, it's not like I got to drop $30 on a DVD. What I'm doing is I'm dropping $3, $2, maybe $5 on an episode. On an episode. Now think about this. Harmony Gold can price it however they want to. So the fact is, if you look at a movie that's normally about two hours that costs $30, you know... Break that down into 30-minute segments. What? That's like four segments. 
Okay, but realistically, an episode's about 25 segments, so let's say you get like five movies. Okay, well, you can still get your, your, your $30, like you would a Blu-ray movie if you really wanted to, if you want to charge $7 per episode for five episodes. You know, so each episode costs $5. You got five episodes there, boom, there's 30 bucks. And that's what the hell you want to do. Or, you could be smart about it and say, ah, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to charge like $3. You know, $2.99 per episode. That's what we're going to do. $2.99 per episode, and we're going to have it on our iTunes store, or we're going to have it, you know, in, in, in Google Play. We're going to have it in both. Hell, doesn't even matter. But that's what we're going to do. And we are going to, you know, um, offer those who do digital download subscriptions a quote-unquote special offer on other Robotech stuff. In other words, you're going to incentivize them to buy into what this shit is in terms of the streaming um, slash the, the download. But then when they do that, they also get in their quote-unquote Robotech account something else as a perk that allows them to invest in other Robotech stuff. Essentially, like, uh, think of it, think of it as like Robotech credits or whatever. Okay. You, you remember how Robotech used to have the, on Robotech.com, used to have the point system. And if you got so many points, you became an admiral. And if you've got so many points, you got this, that, or the other. Well, now let's take those credits, those points, turn them into quote unquote, you know, currency. And now you can use that currency on Robotech.com to get other shit that you'd want to get that is Robotech related. Or when the DVD box set comes out, you know what? You get a 10% off on that DVD box set through Robotech.com. Or when, you know, whatever, whatever comes, uh, intellectual content comes out, you get a discount on that. You know, if you purchase it through Robotech.com, this is how you keep your fan base. And this is how you keep having them give you money. And this is how you keep producing shit for them so that you can take their money. It's these kind of concepts. Why Harmony Gold is not smart enough to do this kind of stuff is beyond me. You know? You got a bunch of guys working there. They're all supposed to be, you know, somewhat intelligent in some way, shape, or form. And it doesn't seem like any of these guys have a fucking clue on how to do anything. It just seems that way. You know, we've been talking about this year, for, or we've been talking, this, uh, t- sorry, we've been talking about this now for years. We're talking like literally years. We've been talking about this. And it's like these guys are still back at square one, where the rest of the world has just passed them by in terms of the business model, in terms of the concepts of what they ought to be going after, in terms of the the markets that now exist and how to engage those markets, a.k.a. business model, just the shit doesn't make any sense anymore. It really doesn't. And because these guys have just fallen so far behind the current consumer models, And keep in mind, I'm saying models, like business models in this case. You know, being able to conduct your company into into export intellectual products and whatnot, 
I don't even, I don't even know what's going to happen to Harmony Gold within the next five to ten years. Couldn't even tell you. Don't even have a clue. I don't think anybody has a clue. But there would be a lot of uncertainty there. You know, I never thought that Warner Brothers was really going to make the, the Robotech live action movie come out. I just thought that Warner Brothers was going to look at it and say, listen, to make this thing as grand as it's supposed to be, in the sense of like what Transformers is, so on and so forth, this shit's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You know, I think honestly, in order to make, and I hate to say this, I think in order to make Robotech work in the way that Robotech needs to work, you would need someone like Quentin Tarantino in order to actually push that sucker through. You would. You need somebody like that. You know, now, I know, you know, Sony is going about making things work the way they want it to work. Um, but here's the problem that you run into. Harmony Gold has been relying on the concept of a live-action movie and then spinning off of that. That's what they've been doing. Okay. And as we all know, let's just keep it real here. You can wish in one hand, shit in the other, which one's going to fill it faster? Yeah, it's the one that's going to smell bad or smell the worst. You know, that is basically what has happened here is that Harmony Gold has been in a situation where they thought, man, we signed on to Warner Brothers. Wow. With Warner Brothers, we're going to be able to execute X, Y, and Z. Wow, with Warner Brothers, we're going to be able to make all these things happen. And they put a lot of their stuff on hold that they should have went forward with. You know, to their credit, they really should have went forward with it. Um, even though I wasn't going to like what it was based on what the previous stuff they had released. But now they're so far behind in the race that it's laughable. It is completely laughable. Because they hinged everything on another company that didn't come to fruition. Now, the question could always be asked, why didn't Warner Brothers go forward with Robotech? I believe it comes down to this. Warner Brothers looked at it, said, A, it's too costly. B, it's too complicated. And C, the Transformer phase is effectively dying out now. And I think that that's that's something that you have to understand here. Transformers is not what it once was. You know, we're now into the fourth, going into the fifth installment of the Transformer franchise. And it looks promising from the standpoint of it's going to make money. Okay? But keep in mind, keep in mind at the time that you're going to listen to this podcast, all you have to do is look at how things work. You have your 1980s franchises, a.k.a. Transformers. Then you have superhero franchises, a.k.a. The Avengers. And then you have your legacy Americana franchises like Star Wars. Okay? So you got three main categories to choose from. The one that makes the least amount of money at this point is your 1980 franchises, a.k.a. Transformers. Avengers Age of Ultron 2, which was released in the same year as Star Wars, has already been forgotten. That's how bad it did. It just straight up was forgotten. And then Star Wars, literally within, I think it was a, a, 
about two weeks, grossed over a billion dollars? Now, the reason why I bring this up is because, remember, Robotech is something that is generational. And the whole point is Warner Brothers wanted Robotech to basically be that... They wanted it to be the next big Americana film. But it's how do you approach that to make it the Americana film? This is the challenge that Sony now has. You don't want it to end up like Transformers. Like, you don't want it want it to end up in a way where you release a movie... Okay, you release a movie, that movie, the first movie does okay, the second movie, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, it was Transformers, I guess, you know, with the two, you know, hood robots, and, you know, I, the rest of it, I don't even, I don't even understand. The third movie, it's like, uh, okay, and then the fourth, it's like, alright, we gotta stop this now. No more Transformer movies, they're like, you know, paranormal activity, the shit should have died a long time ago. You know, and, and and this is one of the curses of Michael Bay. Like, Michael Bay just sucks at what he does. I mean, I'm assuming he's probably going to also do the next Transformers movie. But, you know, to the point of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, okay, and how it works, you, you know, what did Marvel do? Marvel decided, hey, if we're going to go out and make these quote-unquote superhero movies... What we need to do is we need to give them real momentum and real relevancy. And then the way that we're going to do it is this, is we're going to start off with one superhero. Then we're going to spin off to another superhero story. Then we're going to spin off to another superhero story. And then once we've spinned off to these other superhero stories, we're going to create another story, which is parallel to their stories that brings them all together on screen. That's what we're going to do. Hence, Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor, and then of course you end up getting the Avengers. And I guess you could throw the Hulk in there too, depending on how you feel about that. But uh, you get the Avengers movie. That's what happens. Now, what they tried to do, and I think they were less successful at, is after the quote-unquote Avengers, they tried to they tried to continue the story of these characters. Now, this is something where they've had a bit of a challenge. But in the end, what happens? They told the story of these characters, you know, their second installments of their stories, essentially, and then they went on to, quote-unquote, Avengers 2, Age of Ultron. That's what they did. Now, why is this important? Because now what you're going to have is you're going to have the wrapping up of, you know, given stories and whatnot, and then you're going to go into, you know, Avengers Infinity Wars or whatever the hell they decide to do, um, from that standpoint. But even going beyond that, you start talking about, you know, the movie Deadpool. You start talking about the X-Men, you know, um, and, and their given lineups and, and stuff like that. And, and my point is this, okay, for what I'm talking about here, is that there is a legacy in the way that they're doing superhero movies where you're kicking out a movie every single year. You're kicking out relevancy to your fandom in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't mean it's the main prize, okay? Because that's going to happen probably once every, you know, shall we say, uh, between a two to three year time span, okay, for the main prize. But you're going to have something there for them, effectively, every single year, you know, two or three movies where people say, you know what, I'm digging it, I'm loving it, I'm still tuned into this. And what happens is this. It's like a television show. 
except instead of seeing it once every week, you see it about once every quarter of a year. That's what you do. You gross in these millions. So you, you have that business model that Disney is doing with Marvel that is working very well. Now, granted, they've had some hiccups in terms of some of the movies, but still they're not beyond redemption, which is my point here. Now, moving beyond that, we get into, of course, you know, which I think is, is equally as important, your Americana films. All right. Like Star Wars here. Now, this is huge because Star Wars basically had blown it for the prequels. It blew the prequels. And we haven't gotten into my conversation on Star Wars Force Awakens yet, which I promise I will probably do that the next episode here, meaning you can expect to see this, uh, you know, to listen to that a week from uh, when I post this. But I'm going to keep it real with you guys. I'm going to keep it real with you. It resuscitated the franchise. It did. What seemed to be like a dying franchise. Like George Lucas, and, and let me put this in perspective for you, okay? George Lucas sold Star Wars for $4 billion. Now, he will say that he sold, you know, Star Wars for $4 billion because basically he's like seven years old or whatever, and it takes like, you know, God knows how long to make one Star Wars movie and, you know, he's just like, listen, you know what? I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm done. I'll let other people do the movies. Here's what I would tell you. And this is what happened. George Lucas went and made the prequels. He screwed up so badly in the prequels that he got stuck in a scenario where he was trying to use secondhand continuity, a.k.a. Clone Wars, a.k.a. Cartoon Network, to try to fix the issues of the Star Wars storyline. In addition to that, he got wrapped up into the whole, like, let's do these Star Wars spinoffs. Now, anybody who has done anything in terms of relations of understanding the concept of uh, Star Wars franchises, anyone who's done anything in that realm of, un uh, of understanding the... The, the franchises and the spinoffs in the franchise, you know, it, it's not a, a, shall we say, a wonderful story at the end. And basically, he did bastardize the Star Wars franchise to Lego and, you know, to Cartoon Network. And it just declined. That's what happened. I mean, granted, he was able to sell some great Lego model kits. I'll give it that. I'll totally give it that. But at the same time, there was a decline, and at the same time, there continues to be a decline, and now that Force Awakens has come out, all of a sudden, there's some hope. There is. Now, I want to throw out as a disclaimer, I thought that movie sucked, I will totally go into it the next episode, but it will revigorate the franchise, it will do that. Um, and, and I'll go into that in the, in the next movie, but you know, Lucas was a complete idiot for selling it for 4 billion, but he didn't have much of a choice because he was just driving. He was literally driving the, the, uh, the intellectual property into the ground. I'm mean, like, it was just star Wars was done. Star Wars was forgotten. Star Wars was Americana, you know, 
and it was forgotten. The, the truth is that the guy would have just sought with Empire Strikes Back, and if you'd have waited probably about, you know, 20 years to make Return of the Jedi, <laughs> he'd have been way better off. He would have been way fucking better off than, than creating Return of the Jedi when he did, and then creating the prequels. Now, granted, it, it, he could have stopped at movie three, which was Return of the Jedi. He could have done that, and he would have been way better off than where he's at today. You know, the fact is, he made mistakes in the same way that Harmony Gold made mistakes with Shadow Chronicles. He made mistakes with, you know, the prequels, and they came back and bit him in the ass. And he came out with a much weaker franchise, and he tried to put band-aids on those wounds, and it just did not work. And it's never going to work. You know, and at some at some point in his life, when he's an older guy, he's probably going to look at it and say, yeah, I, I built it up and I fucked it up, and then that's why I had to sell it to Disney. But, okay, but, and here's where the but comes into play. But my point is this, is that when you look at, you know, Robotech and its entirety, Robotech's not beyond the concept of redemption either. It's not. It is a thing of who can redeem it. Now, I look at Star Wars. And I, and I see that, and I see that they're, you know, clearly, if Star Wars can redeem itself, if it can go from those three prequels to a billion dollars, then Robotech stands a chance of, you know, basically redeeming itself too. Now, I'm not saying Robotech's going to make a billion dollars in a week's time or something stupid like that. I'm not saying that at all. Don't take it like that if that's what you're trying, if that's where you want to go with it. What I'm saying is Robotech should, like Star Wars, be able to recapture its natural essence with its fans. But large in part, it does depend on the business model that is basically going to be the driving force of how Harmony Gold chooses to engage its Robotech fans with. Okay, so keep in mind, when we talk about Star Wars, they had trailers, you know, and these trailers were were really good trailers. They were better than the fucking movie. Okay, and that's a problem. But again, that's for the next episode. But they had trailers that were really good trailers, number one. Number two, you know, J.J. Abrams went out and he talked about the Star Wars movie and he hyped up the cast greater than their performance ever was in the movie. A.K.A. that bitch from Game of Thrones and her role as Captain Phantasm. Or Captain Phantom, or whatever the fuck that Chrome Stormtrooper was, that did fucking nothing in the movie, and totally like wussed out on the lightsaber scene. She wasn't even fucking there for it when she should have been. We'll talk about that later, though. You can tell I I really didn't like this movie. But my point to where I'm going with this is that this is how things can move forward. Getting Harmony Gold back on its right footing, getting Robotech somewhere that actually makes sense of relevancy without totally butchering the, uh, the franchise, you know, and for not, and, and I want to say not totally depending on, you know, the second coming in order for Harmony Gold to re jumpstart the Robotech franchise to begin with, because mainly that's what Harmony Gold is trying to do. They're trying to wait for the second coming. 
Harmony Gold is trying to wait for that live-action movie to come out, so guess what? It can do X, Y, and Z. It clearly screwed up with Warner Brothers in whatever way it did for whatever reason it did. Which, you know, like I said, I just think Warner Brothers had way too much on its plate with Robotech. I don't think that Warner Brothers was prepared for what Robotech was from a financial end. And I don't think Warner Brothers was looking at the cost and saying, okay, you know what? If we were to spend all of this on Robotech, if we were to spend all of this on this Robotech project, how much would we have to spend on, you know, promoting it? And again, I just don't think Warner Brothers was there. I don't think Warner Brothers was was ready for that. And I think that's why Warner Brothers hit that, you know, um, de- developmental obstacle. I think it, it partly came down just to pure dollars and cents. That's what I think. I think that if it was as easy as everyone wants to believe it is to create a Robotech movie, they would have already had their directors, their writers, all that shit, and they would have been like, here, let's go. And in the end, they were starting to get that shit in order, but, you know, things still just didn't work out the way they were supposed to. And Sony swooped in and took it, and and Harmony Gold decided to do that mess. Now, with that being said, of course, um, Harmony Gold definitely seems to have a more, I would say, uh, productive relationship with Sony. But again, you can't be waiting for the second coming here. You can't. Like, Robotech has to, has to, you know, bear its own fruit under Harmony Gold. It can't rely on Sony to make that happen. Now, Sony does offer a lot to the Robotech franchise in terms of the ability to produce video games, in terms of, you know, the ability to have, you know, mobile apps and, and all sorts of shit. Like, I would give Sony those kind of things. But let's just be honest here. Look at what happened to Star Wars Battlefront. The new one for the PS4 that they released, that special edition they released for the, the PS4, that shit was terrible. That shit sucked. And then to sit up here and to spend $60 on a half-ass game only to have to spend another 60 on some digital download content, which means the game was a total of 120 all I gotta say is, you know what, fuck Disney. And fuck that game, because that, that's just, no, 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 and no again. Um, but that game got a lot of bad reviews, so I'm not even worried about that. You know, the truth is, is that people who are going to buy into some fuckery like that are going to do that. Um, but people who have enough common sense to take a step back and go, wait a second here, Star Wars Entertainment in a video game isn't worth $120, especially when you have no space battles involved. Um, hence Star Wars space battles. I don't know. Just not there. Don't quite understand it. Um, that's on them. That's on them. Now, listen, if you're anybody who's going to listen to this podcast who bought into that shit, guess what? All is forgiven. I understand the hype of the, you know, force awakening probably, you know, just messed with your brain cells and you, you know, you made a bad purchasing decision. Just be happy. It wasn't like 180 bucks. You know, um, oh, you never know. It might be, it might be like, here's brand new digital, you know, download content, you know, it's $60 for space battles. Yeah. That then puts the game at $180. Whoop-de-doo. Um, 
like I said, I, I didn't fall for that trap. So, I mean, I, I can feel good about talking about it. But if you did, you know what? We'll forgive you here. We're going to forgive you. But, yeah. Okay, sorry for the pause there, guys. I just want to make sure that I make it under a certain time frame. Um, but my my overall point is this, is that Harmony Gold has got to re-examine their take on how they're going to go forward with the Robotech fandom. They're going to have to do it. And you know what? We just gave some examples here um, today, you know, and I'm talking real world examples. You know, if you don't believe me about the in-app purchase thing, go into the Google store, uh, start looking at, you know, programs for, for picture editing or for video game entertainment or whatever. Um, and look at the ones that say free, click on them and then watch where you have that in-app, you know, a setup that's in some of them. And it's not in all of them, but in some of them it is. Uh, if we're talking about, you know, direct download. Um, again, go to your iTunes store, check out TV series or go to your Amazon, you know, store again, check out, uh, t- television series and, and look at episodes and see how you can, you can download them for like, you know, $2 or $3 or whatever the case may be. So, you know, you know, you look at that, um, I, consoles walk into your, into your, you know, closest retailer, uh, that sells console systems. And ask them if they have any special editions. And then ask them what's so special about the special edition. And they're going to tell you, there's a game bundle of the inside. That's what you're buying it for. You know, um, the, the, I, like these are how things are done now. You know, it's just how the market works. And this is what Carmine Gold has to understand. Like if Harmony Gold can't get this part down, they're not going to be successful in the future. You know, and like I said, with your retail stores, go check out Microsoft Office. See how they sell it. They have a yearly subscription. They have a yearly subscription. See the differences. Check out that cloud storage. See how that works for you. You know, this is why I think that Harmony Gold simply just suffers in the way that it does. You know, um, Harmony Gold has, I would say, Definitely made some mistakes in terms of Robotech and, and how it's gone forward with it um, since the leaving of Carl Masick. I, I definitely believe that's the case. But, you know, more importantly than that, what I would, I would have to uh, point out is the engagement of the business model is what's lacking with them. It is. And I do believe that, you know, when you're, when you're talking about you know, where is Harmony Gold going to go? What are they going to do? You know, what's going to be their, their strong points or weak points for how they move forward? Um, it all starts with how they're going to engage their fans and their business model for acquiring revenues. Because if they can't figure out how they're going to acquire the revenues, you don't have to worry about any projects being made. You don't have to worry about any Kickstarters or uh, being fulfilled or anything like that. If they do not have a business plan for specifically how they want to go forward with intellectual properties and acquiring revenues, the rest of it is all bullshit. That is what killed Robotech Academy when it comes right down to it. It's that right there. And, you know, it, it's, it's a shame that it's like that because Robotech Academy 
could have been a great thing. It could have. I doubt it would have been, but it could have been. And I don't doubt it for the reasons that other people doubt it, okay? Like, I'm not... I don't have anything against a younger Robotech cast, okay, that's at an academy that gets stranded off into space and they got to figure out things in order to survive. I don't have a problem with any of that shit at all, okay? Those kind of things happen sometimes, you know, um, in, in sci-fi at the very least. And, I mean, it's not like you haven't had full drive incidences in Robotech. You have. So, again, I, I'm not going to sit up here and, you know, you, you know, hate on that. That's a different topic for a different day. But what I am going to say is this, is that I think that Harmony Gold really missed the opportunity to have a really great franchise and to make something that could have been a, essentially a resuscitation of the franchise and their, their latest debacle with the Kickstarter. And I think part of it came down to just the business model that they chose. And that's why we're talking about that today. It's in the same way that people go, well, Doug, why haven't you been doing podcasting? Well, the reason why I haven't been doing podcasting is not that I don't want to. It's because I've been working on other things like the Xenoforce Reborn mod and stuff like that, which I, I'm not saying is necessarily more important than Robotech, but it, it does deserve its due credit for the work that I put into it. But the other reason is this, is that at some point I have to go beyond what this shit is right here. And we got to get into something that really does work. You know, and when we talk about getting into something that really does work, that means just that. Something that really works as an alternative to Robotech Fan, as an alternative to Robotech Zero Zero. Something that can bring all that shit along and gel it all together, and it can all be synchronized into one location. While at the same time, I can still sit up here and, you know, independently keep a Robotech Fan and a Robotech Zero Zero. Like, I can do those things. You know? And, um, I'm not against that, you know, I'm not against that at all. And I think that that's, that is something that, you know, we really, or I should say, I really have to look at doing. Um, and, and I've figured out my workflow. I figured out what, what I want the content to be. Um, I figured all those things out. So that's like a total plus, you know, it now comes down to starting to do it. But before I jump into that exactly, I want to, you know, make some strides here with Robotech, you know, fan only because this is where it all began. And I don't believe that you you just simply drop one project just to go on to another entirely. So um, that's why I'm back doing this. So my goal here is, again, to do one episode per week. Um, that's what I want to do. Uh, I remember at one point in time I was doing, like, one episode a day. I remember at one point in time I was doing, like, five-hour episodes every day, you know, uh, earlier on at Robotech Fan. And listen, I love Robotech Fan. I could honestly sit up here and talk about this shit for the next three hours, but I won't. I'll keep it down to a two-hour minimum. Um, I, I really do love Robotech Fan. I really do. I really, in some ways, I wish I could go back to the beginning of it and do it all over again. Because I would. I would do that. I'm that guy that would go back and redo it all over in the beginning. Because I think the truth is, if Harmony Gold would have taken some of the advice that I had in the beginning, they could have very well have come out with something that would have been fucking amazing. They could have, you know, but let me leave you guys with this. The whole reason why Robotech fans started was due to the fact that it was the disrespect of Carl Masick and how Robotech podcasters were at that point in time and how they thought they knew more than he did when it came to the Robotech universe and how, for some reason, Robotech, like Robotech podcasters had this superiority complex in the sense of, you know, Robotech essentially couldn't exist 
without them. You know, it's 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 almost like they had that kind of concept where, you know, and they had nothing to do with Robotech and its creation. But hey, you know what? Being a, a talking pundit, um, you know, to say obviously, you know, the whole lens of Robotech only exists through them and no credit is given to anybody else. And that is why Robotech fan began in the first place. And, and that's something that also 2016, I, you know, I, I want to remind everybody of Robotech fan came out of that, it came out of that. It came out of the Carl Masick, you know, um, shall we say just, chastising that was unneeded um, at that given point in time. And I still believe is unneeded even uh, today. Uh, I, I do find it very odd when people talk about they want Robotech fan to go forward and then you take out a Carl Masick concept and say, look, this is how we should move forward with it. And then the same people who say Harmony Gold should release something new. Oh, you can't do that because of da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da and all this other shit. You know, um, and then again, you look at their concepts of, uh, of Robotech and you'd be going like, what the fuck? Um, and, and my key, my key point to this before I close down this episode is this Brooklyn Red Lake. All you got to do is look at him. That dude will bitch up and down about Carl Masick's concepts. But the first concept that I ever heard him come out with an original concept was, uh, the Zentrani for his RPG. He wanted to make the Zentrani 12 feet tall. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I believe he was the guy who sat up here and came up with that idea. That this Zentrani had to be 12 feet tall. You know. In his in his new Robotech RPG concept that he was going after. Um, I believe it was Brooklyn Riley that did that. I'd honestly have to go back and check. But I think, yeah, he was the guy who did that. Uh, because he wanted to come out with a brand new Robotech, you know, codex, essentially. And he was going to do it in the form of an RPG. Like every other motherfucker on the planet wants to do. And, um, that was his idea. Why make the Zentrani 60 feet tall when you can make them 12, you know? Um, and I kind of looked at that and thought, this guy's a fucking dumbass. <laughs> He's a fucking dumbass. Uh, you know, there are clear advantages to the Zentrani being 60 feet tall versus that they were 12 feet tall. And I think that we can't forget that. Um, and also I think it, it, it plays into, you know, the whole concept of how Mecha are created and why Mecha are created. You know, let us not forget the only reason why the humans created Mecha in the first place were because they were facing aliens that were 60 feet tall in height. It's not the fact that they had robots that were 60 feet tall in height. It was the fact they were facing human based entities that were 60 feet in height. That's why Mecha were created. So if you were to pull the Zentrani narrative of being 60 feet tall out of the equation, then guess what? You're not going to have any battleoids because there's no need to have battleoids. You just have destroids and you have fighter planes and everything else, but transformable mecha because there's no need to have transformable mecha. So, um, I'm going to leave you guys with that, but, uh, we're going to close down the, uh, podcast now. Like I said, next week, I'm thinking we're going to be doing our Star Wars review, Force Awakens. Why not do it? I know a lot of people are going to love it. Um, you guys will see my take on it. Um, like I said, I didn't like the movie. I'll even go one step further and tell you flat out even before we begin, because we're going to have some spoilers up in that motherfucker. Um, the prequels were better. 
I'll even go that far. So, Phantom Menace specifically. Uh, but anyways, with that being said, you guys take care. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye-bye.